female in technology looking to reach the VP level and beyond? Join me, Lisa Kostova, and guests for honest and real tips, strategies, and conversation to accelerate and most importantly, enjoy your career climb today. Hi, friend. I am so happy today that I wanted to jump on and record this podcast as soon as I felt this elation, this emotion of celebration and significance. And I wanted to share this with you. And today I am celebrating the nomination of Ketanji Brown Jackson as a Supreme Court Justice. I just watched her acceptance speech at the White House lawn, and I am overwhelmed with joy, with elation, and with the importance of this moment. It has just dawned on me. And I'm really, I'm really sad that her nomination process was marred by all kinds of political play, especially from the right insinuations that she somehow was going to, you know, take political positions on a variety of issues just because she's black. And I'm also, I'm also kind of regretting the fact that there's so much going on in the world right now with the war in Ukraine, that her, the significance of this nomination was probably lost on a lot of people. It didn't really hit me until I watched her acceptance speech about what has just happened. And I wanted to share it with you. And I want to start with a story because, you know, I am, I'm not black and I can never, ever imagine, even begin to imagine what a black person goes through and their experience growing up and living in the US or elsewhere in the world and what kind of daily experiences they go through that I'll never know. So let me start there. But at the same time, I do feel that I do feel that there is there's a relatability that we as women can feel to this victory. Um and even though I'm not not black, um, I am a woman, and I wanted to tell you a story about how a bunch of you know how how I was in, a, in an environment that made assumptions about who I am because of my gender and treated me as such. And that experience, that story, and I have many stories like this, um, but the story I used to tell is significant because it involves an esteemed institution. The Supreme Court or the federal court is an esteemed institution. And so is an institution like Harvard and specifically the Harvard Business School, where I had the opportunity to go and get my MBA. And at the time when I attended, roughly a third, a bit, a bit less than a third, about 30%. And that percentage had fluctuated between like 20s to 30 some percent every year uh, of the class were female. And I was one of them. And I remember going to going to the partner's office. So they have a partner's office as part of the business school that registers the spouses of students so that they can get benefits like going to the library and having access to facilities and signing up for a bunch of other things at the university. And so I walk in the partner's office 
I remember maybe I had walked in with my ex-husband, who was my partner at the time, may have been me, may have been with him. I can't remember exactly, but I remember the woman, oh, you know what? It was with him because then I remember the woman who was manning the desk, she turned towards me and she handed me the paperwork to fill out as a partner. (laughs) And she looked at my, um, at the time fiance, I think, and not, not even fiance, I think it was just a boyfriend, but we weren't engaged at at the time she, she said, here, oh, here, fill it out. And I just remember saying, well, no, he needs to fill it out. I'm the student and he is the partner. He didn't like that, FYI. Um, I, I don't think a lot of a lot of men like being being told that they're not the kind of main show, main act. But at that moment, I just felt a little slighted. I felt like I was like, oh, why did why did she make an assumption right away that I was the partner? Like, do I look not intelligent enough? Do I look not like, uh, you know, not not as somebody who attends Harvard Business School? And now I'm thinking back to that story and trying to even imagine Like I have just had those experiences only for being a woman. Now, can you imagine how many experiences like that and worse? Ketanji Brown Jackson has had in her lifetime and in her career. Like I can only imagine somebody in the, you know, facilities team at one of the courts where she worked, um, making an assumption and telling her to go and like report and clock in, you know, over in the cleaning crew or something. Like, I just, I bet you she's had tons of those experiences. And my friends who are African-American women, I just bow to you. I bow to you and I celebrate with you. My heart is just so joyful right now for this victory that we celebrate today, not as women, but also as women who are supporting our our sis, our sisters who are African American women, and I bow to you because I know how much I don't know, but I've heard how much you've had to overcome through your lives. Earlier in this podcast, there's an interview with a wonderful, wonderful lady who is a doctor in the United Kingdom. Her family immigrated from Nigeria, and she grew up with brothers in the UK and they all went and became doctors. They all went to medical school and just the stories that she tells in that podcast are heartbreaking about all the assumptions and the discrimination that they faced growing up and just, you know, always having to have identity documents on them in case they were pulled over to prove that they were not, they hadn't stolen the car, that they were students, that they weren't some random criminals. It just breaks my heart. And so I want to acknowledge today this amazing win, and I want to acknowledge specifically for those members of our community, and we thankfully have a few already who are African-American women in tech. I celebrate with you. I salute you. This is, this is just, this was a long time coming and should have happened earlier, but Thank goodness it happened today and thank goodness it is celebrated and thank goodness we have 
we have just submitted an amazing summit as a nation, as a group of women. And I, I'm such a, I'm getting emotional right now. I'm so, so blessed to witness this as a victory, as a significant milestone for the African-American female community. Amazing, amazing, amazing. The part in her acceptance speech where she talks about being the dream of a slave really struck a chord in my heart. And I just want to thank her. Thank her for carrying that torch for all of us, not just, you know, the African-American female community, but also for all women and for all, all of humanity, because you know what? We, everybody is much better off for having her voice be elevated and be heard at such a venerable institution. Everybody is better off for it. Um, you know, all women are better for it. All men are better for it. White men are better for it. Because uh, the thing is, we as humans, what we don't see, we can't imagine, we can't relate, we can't understand that which we don't see. A lot of the problems, I believe, with racism and discrimination are rooted in ignorance, uh, essentially. And part of the education is having the ability to socialize role models and representatives in all positions of power. And again, the legislative branch is one of the three highest offices of power in this nation. You know, the Senate, the House, obviously you have the presidency and then the legislative branch, the Supreme Court. So the elevation of representatives of, of all of us, of the different ethnicities, of different genders, of the different sexual preferences is so, so important in these positions of power. The same thing goes for boards of directors in tech companies, for management and leadership, for CEOs at the top of companies. What we don't see, we don't understand. But if we see people who look different, who look different from us, or maybe who look like us if we're representing a minority, that changes the whole conversation. That changes the perception of people. I have a, a few stories around that. One of them is growing up in Eastern Europe, in Bulgaria. I never really, um, I never really seen a black person live until I think I was maybe elementary school or middle school, like eight or nine years old. I remember there was a, a student from Africa because we had a number of people from Africa would come and learn Bulgarian in the Ten University back home. So I remember, I remember to this day the experience of seeing my first black person live in a bus in Sofia, and I remember just being just just looking at him. He was a young young man, and he wasn't making eye contact with anyone. And I just remember seeing, wow, that is just so interesting. I've never seen a person look like this. I remember looking like, not looking, but like just paying attention to his, his hair, his lips. I mean, it was just very interesting. Obviously, I had seen black people on TV and movies, but it was very, for some reason, I still remember seeing my first black person live. And that's just because I grew up in a very homogeneous culture. Thankfully, that changed very, very quickly. Uh, I talk about my first experience in the U.S. 
living in West Philly and actually right away going and volunteering at a house for African-American boys whose parents were in jail. And so I made um, Tyrone, I made my first, you know, kind of mentee friend there. It was really, really sad. Um, but, you know, very, very quickly, I kind of adapted and I, you know, this was part of my normal environment now, especially living in Philadelphia. It was no longer like this foreign, different thing. I believe a lot of what we're seeing right now in the Ukraine is actually, it's an atrocity. And and people's tolerance of it, the people in Russia that are that kind of have a suspicion of what is really going on, because a lot of them are brainwashed with propaganda, so they, they don't even know what's going on. But the ones that are kind of tolerating that, I think I think it's because that society is very homogeneous. Not only is everybody white and everybody's Eastern Orthodox and Slavic. So there's a lot of, of, of prejudice and lack of understanding of different religions, definitely different ethnic minorities. My cousin, my cousin, I have a cousin who is half Azerbaijani. So half, like half Russian, half Azerbaijani. He looks darker. So he gets harassed on the streets of the, his Russian town the whole time because they think that he's from, he's from Chechnya. And they kind of think he's Muslim just because he looks darker. And so it's really, really unfortunate. It's really painful for me to see those attitudes because, but I understand these are people who the majority of them have never been outside of their country. They have never really seen a person live who looks very different than them. And probably a lot of them haven't seen a person in power who looks different than the white Eastern European. And I have to say, Russia is really bad about like giving women representation. Like everybody in their Senate, if you look at their Senate or anyone in power, like CEOs, like 99% men. And it's disgusting. You know, I worked in Russia a little bit, not in Russia, but with Russia when I was still in investment management. This was like in the 2000s. This was after college. And I remember being very clear, like attending a few meetings in Moscow that were with like investment colleagues, investment partners, and understanding that I got very different treatment when I spoke English and people perceived me as a foreigner than when I spoke Russian, which I know I speak fluently, even though I have an accent, but speaking Russian there put me in a whole different category. Oh, she's a woman. She's a Russian speaking woman. She's like, you know, second class person. Like they would just like not pay any attention to what I said or what I thought like immediately dismissed anything that was coming out of me or what I had to say. Like, oh, she must be the assistant or she must be somebody in a kind of supportive role. So I really think that when you, especially with us in tech, so many of us have worked in places where we just don't see people like us, women or women of color like us um, around in, in companies and in the companies where we work. And 
we need to understand that we have the responsibility to carry this torch the same way Ketanji Brown Jackson carried her torch and is carrying her torch. It is extremely important for you if you're a mid-career woman, especially if you're a mid-career woman of color in tech, to do everything that you can to rise to the top. Like, this is not only about you. This is not about Ketanji as a person. Yes, she's a very courageous and smart and intelligent person, and that helps her get to where she is. But this is so much bigger than her. This is so much bigger than, than like any of you. So this celebration, we celebrate Ketanji as a milestone, as a milestone for African-American women, for women in general. The more people we see in positions of power that look different, that are women, that are women of color, the more we socialize all of society to that, the more it gets normalized that women have authority, the women of color have authority, the women have power, the women of color have power. And let me also speak to our friends who are, you know, transgender or different sexual orientations. Like, again, this is not only about you. This is like you need to have people like you in positions of power because then it will become part of the normal environment and people will normalize it and people will get used to it. You know, yeah, there's so many examples. I mean, let me not even go into the whole misconception of what like a, a, a LGBTQ person is in Eastern Europe, especially in Russia. It's like so demonized and vilified, it kind of is sickening. It reminds me of like the horror stories that were told in Nazi Germany about Jews at the time of the Second World War, like, you know, horns growing and all kinds of idiocies, right? It's it's like if people don't have friends and, don't, and specifically don't have examples of people in power who are representing a minority, that minority is going to have a hard time assimilating. It's going to constantly be ostracized until more and more of it reach positions of power. So yeah, that's why I'm celebrating to today. I'm celebrating and I'm also using this opportunity to put a call to action to you. Yes, you who are listening to this podcast right now, whatever your position is, whatever your role is, I don't care if you are a junior person, if you're a senior person, if you're a VP, I don't care. You have a responsibility to rise to the top for all of us, for the little girls that look like you, that come from your background, who don't have a role model, who is in the position of power. They're going to be looking to you. They're going to be looking to you and to those like you who don't give up, who battle their insecurities, who really draw courage in dealing not just with the prejudices and lack of imagination and understanding of of those who are currently in positions of power, but who also are going to fight your own prejudices and insecurities. Uh, We have a large community of 
of women who are Asian American women, East Asian American women, South Asian American women, I get told the all of the time that, hey, growing up in these cultures, we were conditioned to be humble, not talk about ourselves, like put ourselves in the background, elevate the men around us. Linda Lee, who I interviewed for my podcast, famously, her father's uh, her father's best friend told him that he was wasting his money sending her to Cornell. Again, you know, they're a Taiwanese family. So I really want to emphasize that your battle is not only going to be with the prejudices of your environment, but it's going to start with battling your own limiting beliefs and conditioning. And you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to believe it. It has to be more important for you to overcome that than to succumb to it and like make an excuse out of your life. All of you who are listening to my podcast have privilege because you're working in tech, you're professional women, you're not somewhere in a slum in a third world country making ends meet and really scraping to get by. That's not any of of us, any of you who are listening to, to this message, that's not any of you. And because you have access to that environment that gives you the opportunities to express yourself professionally and gives you opportunities, even though there's there are definitely fewer and they're definitely harder to get by currently than for men, especially white men. But it's still, it's still, there's still access. You still have access to those opportunities. So you have privilege. And with that comes responsibility to go and maximize that privilege, get the most out of it, reach the highest position you can because some of your, your sisters don't have that privilege and they're going to be looking or the young ones, they're going to be watching you, what you do. So let's celebrate Katanji and let's be like her. Let's be the Katanji in our own world, in our own companies, in our own careers. I'd love to hear what you have to say about this, but I do, do, do so hope that this message sinks in and that you hear me. Thank you. And I'll speak to you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, send to a friend, leave a review and connect with me on social media. The best way to connect is to register for the next free product VP challenge at www.product vpchallenge.com. Until next time, keep climbing and keep enjoying the climb.